So I was sitting there in that moment, and just like as a flash, I was like, I think we should do a virtual reality video and an experience. And they were like, what is that? And I was like, I'm going to blow your mind right now, but let me explain. And I explained and they were hooked. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Animator's Guide to Virtual Reality. I'm Rick Delishny in Canada, and our guest today is from New York City. Sky Vaughn is a director, writer, and VR creator based in New York. Uh, starting in theater back in London, she feels like she's come full circle and telling her story again in a three-dimensional space. Currently, she's working on the VR experience Falling Out of Love, which is reimagining the music video for the band Aloud. Sky was selected as the 2016 IFP Indiegogo Fellow at the New York Media Center uh, for this very project with her team. She contributes to such publications as Upload VR and Hammer and Tusk on emerging trends in virtual and augmented reality. And it was that article in Upload VR that caught my attention in a big way. Um, subscribers to the podcast know I have a background in theater and live events with Disney in terms of uh, parade automation, lighting and sound. And our previous guests have included Sean Bar Barden from uh, Sheridan College talking about audio and live audio mixing and, and um, audio for, for virtual reality and where it may be going and what's happening at Sheridan College in Canada. And Sean Stevens was a uh, director of uh, a lighting director for many, many years. Uh, live events, again, uh, concerts, theater, uh, th musicals. Uh, he would do lighting design. And we actually had a really interesting tangent going into augmented reality, which is uh, it, virtual reality, augmented reality. They, they do play off each other and complement each other. So, you know, me personally, as a VR producer, I'm very interested in theater. I feel as if a lot of the challenges that VR producers are discussing in forums and online and in conferences and these are problems that we've worked out in theater already or or thought processes that we uh, constrain ourselves to work under when working in a live event situation like in theater. So when I read this article from Sky in Upload VR, which uh, we've got posted up on the show notes, so definitely check it out. I had to reach out. And Sky, you're on the line. Hello. Hi, everybody. Thanks for inviting me, Rick. This is really great to have you on. I'm actually super excited because, as I said, reading going through this article it really uh struck home and a lot of the things that 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 you very carefully uh sort of deconstructed were what i was thinking but you did it in a much better way so thank you for doing that <laughs> oh, that's very nice of you to say but yeah i love that you also have that background in theater i, I feel like it's very natural for anyone coming from theater or having experience in theater to just um, transition into VR and even into augmented reality. So um, let's, yeah. let's just jump right in, actually. I think the, the article that I'm referencing was called Four Lessons Virtual Reality and 3D Filmmakers Can Learn from the Theater. And what I'll do is I'll just go over the points and I'd like to just get some feedback from you and sort of flesh out exactly what, what you were thinking. And I'm sure there were some processes that, you know, as with written articles and maybe fell by the wayside, but I want to go a little bit deeper if, if we can, if that's possible. So the four lessons that, that we can start with right now that I just think is just perfect. Every character is a hero. Take your time when telling the story. We'll come back, sorry. Uh, trust your audience and trust in, in theater. I, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about that, Sky, uh, in terms of 
the audience and the actors. We'll come back to that for sure. But trust the audience. And the audience is not only a character, but it's a co-director. That is so true. Tell me about the process of writing this art, this article and, 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 and flesh it out a little bit for us. Well, um, I was inspired to write it because I was actually um, in Vienna at the Vienna uh, Theatre Festival week, and I saw this play called Mount Olympus. It's um, to glorify the cult of tragedy, and it's a fantastic play, but it takes place over 24 hours with short intermissions where the actors would sleep on stage for 20 minutes, um, and then they would go again. And there was only three intervals, but basically the audience was allowed to come and go as they pleased. Um, and, you know, some stayed the whole time, some came later, some, you know, only stayed in the beginning, you know. So it was a very organic experience, and it just really reminded me not only of Sleep No More, which, you know, plays in New York, um, mm. but also how, how both those uh, interactive... Um, theater and non-linear theater experiences in a sense like how they remind me so much of how how that applies to storytelling in virtual reality and um, and everyone's speaking about how to best tell story in virtual reality and the challenges and um, I come from like I said theater but I in between went into film so mm -hmm. I've only like recently gotten back or gotten into virtual reality coming straight from film. So most of my colleagues that are coming into virtual reality come from film and they all struggle yes. uh, of how to tell the story. And for me, it just feels really natural. And I right away understood it feels really natural for me because I come from theater. And I actually took so much joy from getting the opportunity to tell my first story in virtual reality last year because I was like, oh my God, this is just like theater. And I hadn't mm. been working in theater for like 10 years. So it just was, you know, a very, very joyous moment for me. And so that's where for me to like all these comparisons came from. And when I sat in the play, I really was inspired to just, because the play took, you know, it, it took 24 hours, so I had a lot of time to think. And I was sitting <laughs> in the play, and I have to admit, I actually started taking some notes. I was going to say, <laughs> how long did you last? Did you stick for the whole 24 hours? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> no, 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 no. And, I, I, and, and, and that was part of the experience. I, I, I mean, I read an interview. I mean, he wanted, he, I mean, he said, you know, if you want to stay, that's great. But that is not part of the experience the experience is that you get exhausted and judge you leave because actually Greek tragedy is very exhausting and all yeah. these big emotions are very exhausting so he actually wanted to physically transfer that exhaustion and drama onto the uh, you know the audience by creating this you know a play over 24 hours and them going through it you know viscerally too it's interesting. Um, one of our one of the guests we had previously on on the podcast uh, developed a uh, with the National Film Board the, an application called Cardboard Crash. And part of the part of the motivation for it was one of the problems with VR is that sometimes the audience gets a bit queasy and and gets a bit uncomfortable. It's kind of like what you're talking about with trying to sit through a 24 hour uh, theatrical experience. So what they did uh, was create this uh, experience that was uh, uncomfortable. It was it was you sitting in the uh, in, an, in an autonomous car, a self-driving car, and having to make a decision, a life or death decision about who survives an automobile crash. Um, it was absolutely fascinating, and it reminded me. Of, so they built this this they built this uh, experience 
playing off the uncomfortableness or the uneasiness that came with the medium. In this case, it's early VR that was a bit queasy, and and, the th and in theater here we are actually playing off the the uh, the endurance and the and the tiredness and the the physical pain of sitting through a th a show that lasts for 24 hours. It's, it's interesting that yeah. you you can't do that with film. And you also mentioned earlier just about how a, a struggle it is for your friends that are working in film and video and attempting to transition into VR. And the vocabulary is is they're trying to use words and 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 workflow that works in film and, and video in an, in a in a in a medium that just really doesn't apply. We haven't quite figured out the vocabulary yet. Well, like some you know um, very skilled VR content creators will say, forget everything you ever learned in film school. Um, and it's <laughs> yep. true. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And you have to like just relearn, learn new, and not just be open to not approach VR as film. Like just know that this is not film. And I think that alone, like that step alone, will help you. If you go and, and reference theater, that will help you find your way in. You know, I think it's a good aid. But mm. I think the most helpful thing is to just know that you're not. Um, that you can't approach it as a film, you know? So every character is a hero. That's something that goes against, or does it, uh, 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 storytelling uh, conventions? Well, it does and it doesn't. So when I say every character is a hero, um, you know, I'm, I'm just crystallizing this out and just accentuating what I mean with this. It's like... Mm. Um, in theater, um, you have a hero, like, and you might, I mean, even if you're an ensemble cast, you know, where you maybe have like four heroes, you know, um, you have the little, the smaller side characters, and they obviously won't be the central figure of your story, but while they are on stage, and this, you know, um, this comes from Stanislavski and, you know, different techniques, it's like, you as an actor have to know the whole story before and also what happened after. But while you're on stage, you don't stop acting when the audience doesn't look at you. You're always in character. Hmm. So in that sense, every character is a hero of their own story. And I think as when you approach that, like when you're directing a theater play, you're definitely making sure that all the characters have a storyline while they are present on stage um, because you do not know where the audience will look. And if the audience chooses to follow the smaller side <laughs> part, you don't want them to be like looking at someone who's just kind of standing there motionless unless it's what it calls for, you know, and you do this intentionally. So that's what I meant when I said every character is a hero to just uh, think about how y you have no control over where the audience is going to look. So you yeah. better make sure that every character in your in your piece, in your VR experience, has has a journey to take when they are present in the space. That's wonderful. Very take, different film, right? I mean, it is. It really well. It is and it isn't. I, I suppose. But again, film is linear, and you're driven by the, the point of view is very important. But in this case, the, there is no point of view. The point of view is is, is exactly. driven by the uh, by the viewer. We'll actually touch on that in just a moment. This one, I really. Uh, I see this a lot, actually. Take your time when telling the story. Not only take your time narratively, but physically. Um, it's important to slow down. And that's actually a really tricky thing to uh, to communicate and teach to some of the younger students out there, isn't it? 
Yeah, I don't know if it's about young, but it's basically from film. Like, we don't waste any moment on screen. You know, everything is very deliberate and for good reason, you know. So, um, unless, I mean, I, I mentioned French cinema where they always see, like, <laughs> really take their time with each moment. <laughs> it's part of yeah. the, the genre, which is a little different. But um, in general, you don't, you know, don't you don't waste any time. But for VR and theater, what's important, why it is important to slow down is because, again, it always comes back to this, is that you cannot control and you do not know where your audience will or your participant will look. Um, so that said, I mean, I'm just going to give an example. Let's say the main storyline is moving along and you need to have the participant capture like this one moment you know this action you know that is very important you know mm -hmm. um but for some reason they chose to look to the left and they they're not looking there obviously you're going to use some kind of um incentive for them to look may it be sound or something visual to draw their attention yeah. but it's going to take them a second so just to be sure that they will capture that moment which is the same in theater you will just like draw out that moment so everything that's more that's important in your story you just spend more time on it and that doesn't mean like um he will speak slower or something you'll just like you, you flesh out that moment and just make it a little media to give it more time um so you have you give your participant a chance to catch up if by chance they look away you know now what are your thoughts on bending time and allowing the viewer to roll back and maybe play something again or does that go against your thinking of what a vr project should look like uh no not at all and um actually i mean this is now we're getting into into you know uh into another element i think of um um of uh, vr storytelling um, and actually, there's a wonderful storyteller called Catherine Ravenkel, and she actually is working um, on this prototype, which is non-linear storytelling, but basically giving, it's almost like she compares it to the movie Click. Remember that very bad Adam Sandler movie where he had a remote control oh, and dear. he could just stop time and then <laughs> could, could fast forward it or like rewind, uh -huh. but basically he was doing it in real life. Yeah. So it's a little bit this idea of like, um, what if you do still tell a story linear, you know, and it's all happening kind of at the same time, but you basically give your audience control or a controller to stop or, uh, you know, speed up time or slow it down um, for them to allow them to have the agency to decide how long they want to spend in each scene and with each character and kind of explore without actually losing the story so but i think this is different levels of you know uh, participation you allow um and different ways of how to solve to tell um a linear story if you choose to tell a linear story in virtual reality so it, it is done it has been done i'll have the link to uh, it was catherine was it catherine's work yeah catherine oh, raving perfect we'll put that link in the show notes as well um so are you against uh, uh, giving the viewer that sort of control? You want no, to... I think I'm a huge fan. I think it's wonderful what she like has fought up there. Interesting. It's revolutionary, I think, for for a narrative storyteller. Okay. Um, I mean, it's not for everyone, but like I'm a narrative storyteller as well. And obviously, you you ha you want to tell the story and you want your audience to 
go on this journey with you, but you want to find a way to work with them and let them take that journey while still getting the whole thing. So you always, as a VR story, I feel you almost, it's like almost like alchemy. You kind of have all these puzzle, all these pieces that have to kind of magically fit together and you're like kind of making, shuffling them around and like thinking of various outcomes of how to do that. And then you pick what's best. And I think this is one like that Catherine uses, I think is, is very brilliant, you know, and I, I wish I had thought of it, but she did. And she's playing for that. Um, I think another one is just trusting more simply your audience, you know, um, and, I, and that's one of the other points. And that's, I mean. that's a perfect bl- uh, blend into that. That's brilliant. And and also, too, just, just, just a, a reminder, you are not just writing about VR. You're actually producing VR. We're going to get to that in a moment. I just want to let people yeah. know that there's actually there's, – there's, you've had some lessons learned that I know you're excited to share with us. And that leads us to, to trust. And, and trusting your audience is something that VR directors and producers need to do. But that has its – background in theater as well where we actually as 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 theater directors and writers we need to trust our actors so trust is actually something that you don't really hear about in in traditional filmmaking but tell me a little bit about how that works into vr no i mean look in traditional filmmaking and i'm i I, i'm one of them with you know as a director you and a storyteller you you're a control freak you're controlling every little moment and (laughs) You're framing it and you're capturing and there's no way of like, you know, any agency you leave to to your audience. Um, but in theater, you don't. So you're using different tools, like I said earlier, to direct and guide your audience to get the story. And obviously, you know, we say, oh, my God, there's a brilliant actor and he's captured everyone's attention. <laughs> I mean, it's a little bit like, you know, I think the actor and the ability is even more important in VR, just like it is in theater, because they need to capture you and draw you along. Then you have, like I said earlier, things like sound and, you know, visual light, Lights, exactly. And, lights and, exactly. And mm-hmm. Stuff like that, which you can use and utilize. Um, or if you go with something like Catherine's, you know, then you actually, like, don't use those tools. And, I mean, still the acting, obviously, but you, you just let the audience kind of wander and you're not concerned about how long it takes or, you know, and you just con- completely release all control. But... All of it comes down to trusting your audience, and I think that's really hard for a traditional filmmaker because they have to unlearn, you know, they have to learn to let go of control. And um, hmm. it's very cathartic when you go through that um, because it's actually liberating as a director. Really? When I, I mean, I think once you, you do it and once you've completed it and you actually see people coming out of your VR experience and... You know, they might tell you things you haven't thought of, you know, or they Uh might have like, you know, I think that's really beautiful. But also um, it becomes like a collaboration. And one thing, yes, as much as as traditional filmmakers as we are control fixed, we are also collaborators, right? We work with huge teams to make, you know, big visions, big stories happen. Um, And I think it's inherent to us to be collaborators, but we just have to learn that the audience is part of our collaborator, which we... don't think of when we do a traditional film. Um, and like you mentioned earlier, which I wanted to touch on too, is that, you know, as a, as a director, you don't just trust your audience, you know, to follow the story, which becomes their story, but um, you also trust your actor. And, um, right. and 
you said that that's really important in theater and you know in theater you rehearse for like three months mm -hmm. you know and then you have a run for a month and once you know the curtain goes up as a director you have nothing <laughs> to say to do to intervene i mean it's the most nerve-wracking moment is when the, the first time that curtain goes up and i'm telling you every theater director will tell you oh i i, I... and they're yeah. like shaking and they might actually not be in the room because they can't watch it <laughs> no. and there is nothing you can do about it and there, anybody who's not worked in theater uh had, that's it's a level of um like yeah like you said release uh that is just hard to define really it's not because it's not just you and one other entity you've got like live people in a live environment with lights that fail and and technical things that may fail and an audience that puts off a certain energy that you just can't plan for and it's it's, uh, it's all wrapped up in that one moment like you said when the curtain goes up and when the curtain goes down you know oftentimes you don't even remember what happened for those, that, those two hours sometimes when you're really involved in as an actor or as, as if you're on the crew it's just incredible yeah, it's just incredible yeah. it, it's it's a lot it's it's a lot more and this is actually kind of ironic but um the experience like is not for theater but for vr it is more organic than than film and so if we think about it it's yeah. kind of an oxymoron right we're, we're creating for something for virtual reality which is you know completely outside of this reality but in the end this this type of storytelling is actually more organic than film is because you have, like you said, lights can go out and stuff. So when you're shooting um, virtual reality, I mean, it's the same like, like, you know, you rehearse. And that's really important, the rehearsal with your actors, the blocking, all of this. Because once you shoot, you can't be on set. That's not possible, you know. So you really have to trust your actor at that point. So you walk off. You capture it, and you kind of hope you got a good one, and you might take another take or something. But I, I you know, I, I, talking to other filmmakers and myself included, like, if there's a little thing that goes wrong, you know, you actually kind of shift your mind a, around that a little bit. Often, it like will actually maybe make the the, the scene better. Yeah, yeah it may or, create an opportunity, an edit point, or, exactly. or a, a, a cue that you didn't anticipate. And uh, no, that's just wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. And that leads into sort of uh, the audience actually is not only a character, but it's a co-director. So it's the audience is creating – the audience is actually creating – depending on how you've built your VR experience, whether it's interactive or shot 360, the audience may be creating triggers that set off events that you didn't even anticipate. Yeah, and I and I, I kind of already like touched on that earlier. Yeah. It's like they are your collaborator, you know. It, like I said that earlier, in that sense, you know. But yes, they are like they are. It becomes their own story. And even if you do three sixty video, just by the simple fact that they can look around, you know, and basically focus in on wherever they choose. Again, it's like becoming a director because they actually tell the story and how it unfolds because only thing they see is actually what's happening for them, mm -hmm. really, you know? So, um, but I think there's an opportunity here, like when you think of storytelling, to actually think of that as an element to be part of your story. Like if you think of them as your co-director, suddenly... Um, you start thinking outside of the linear box um, of telling story just on, on a linear curve. You know, you you are like suddenly thinking, oh, what's the possibility that I have if I have another code for, for a director or storyteller with me, right? Yeah. Uh, that gives me an opportunity to think outside of the box and think how can that 
create different stories. And I mean, like a lot of times, um, like I'm telling a story, I have a new story where basically the storyline starts, you know, at one point and there's two characters, it's going to be a two user experience. Um, And so each user starts, you know, at the same point, but then they go off on storyline A and storyline B and then they converge again and suddenly it's it's one storyline and then they converge again so suddenly i'm not telling and this is like user driven you know right yeah. so yeah. um so 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 it's actually almost like um you know it's like a diamond shaped kind of like with a little tree trunk on the back but that's kind of how my storyline looks you know instead of it just being straight you know um of where i'm taking the characters and that I can't do in film, really. I mean, I, I, I can, like, you know, focus one part of the film on a war character, and then I just shift the focus, but it will always be one after another. While in, in VR, I'm allowed to do that at the same time and tell a story for both of the characters or both of the participants from very different points of view, uh, but together it creates a full story because once they come out of it, they will actually speak about it. And suddenly, both pieces will fit together into one story. Absolutely mind blowing! It's just so interesting to hear hear all these these nonlinear ideas actually converging in a linear space and plant, mapping it out. Must have been a real challenge for the music video that you worked on, and that's another project that I I was following that I was happy to have connected with you. Falling out of love. Tell me a little bit. Tell us a little bit about. When when the band came to allowed the, the mm-hmm. when they came to you was this something that or when you came to them or did did they come to oh you and God. tell me how this 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 happened because like like to to try and map out something like this is just such a huge huge effort and everyone's got to really be on board where you found that it was it hard to get people on board or was everyone really excited and what what was the common thread with with getting that project started and tell me about it. So actually, so I've worked with the label before and the label came to me and, was, okay. and told me that Allowed, um, their band Allowed was looking for to do a music video, but not a music video. Um, as they said, music videos <laughs> are dead. I mean, I know not completely, but I mean, I think we can all agree they're not what they used to be. And mm-hmm. uh, music labels don't see that point so much anymore, but they at the same time know they need to make it so it's this like love-hate relationship at this point with the music video and they were like we definitely don't want to just do a music video and put it up on youtube um can we do like a short film or can we just do something else and i was like short film sounds like a terrible idea (laughs) um and and actually there's two songs but we're only doing one at the moment and we'll be doing a second one um hopefully next year but they wanted them to work together. So um, so I, on the spot there, because I had reconnected with um, a producer I used to work with um, just a week prior, uh, Tanya Leal Soto, who is the producer on this project now, uh, was telling me how she had gotten into VR and yeah. interactive storytelling and how she had made that transition and now was focusing on me in this. And kind of opened up, like I'd heard a bunch about it, but she just really kind of, brought it all together for me um, when we had reconnected. And then so I was sitting there in that moment, just like as a flash, I was like, I think we should do a virtual reality video, Uh. an experience. And they were like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> this is wonderful. <laughs> wow. I was like, I'm going to blow your mind right now, but mm-hmm. let me explain. And I explained, and they were hooked. I mean, after five minutes, they were like, oh, my God, that's exactly what we wanted, you know? So now, had you been working on the, the concept? I, there's some really interesting things with mirrors, and we call them portals in VR. Were you sort of working with the concept already? Or... No, that came out of the song. Wow. Came out of the song. Yeah, the song is about falling out of love, yeah. but falling out of love, um, how the idea behind it is how when you're falling out of love with your partner and you basically choose to break up, often you're not breaking up with your partner, really. You're breaking up with yourself Self. and your own shoes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's where the band was going with this. And they were basically, that's where the mirror image was coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, but we were also wanting to take it a little bit further of how like all these outside influences get in the way as well and that keep us how we've just become very busy in this western world you know to keep us kind of like uh you know tied to our computers and you know and headsets um haha no i mean but like i mean we're moving into that direction but how like Mm. that can get in between us and our partners not just ourselves but also this so this is how this concept was born about and so there's mirrors in there and actually um the characters are turning into robots and there's all sorts of fantastical stuff you know i really love the moment where near the end where just when the mirrors and the, and, and the mimicking of the motions, but they're just offset a bit. And the whole question of like, like, like you said, who's breaking up with who sometimes you, the, but you visualize that in such a, a wonderful way. I just, how did that, did that come? Was that a pleasant so what, accident thing, or how did that happen? So the thing that you actually saw is because we still not finished is a previous. So it's a previsualization that we did to just uh, see if it was possible for us to create this infinitely mirrored effect so this is just the previous uh, oh no yeah, exactly yeah. and you uh, uh, yeah you've you've done a hybrid too of some 360 video and then it transitions it, is that still going to be in the final in the final version um you... we're hoping so and um, we are <laughs> running into challenges and i'm going to be very frank here um and i know a lot of uh, vr content creators can relate to this um at this point still it's very hard to get financing uh, mm. for virtual reality um because a lot of uh, sponsors do not see um the potential yet i mean right. they, they 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 buy into the buzz and they're very excited and everyone wants to make it but they're not that sure yet to actually want to put money into it mm-hmm. so for us it hasn't been the option to go out to sponsors and raise money how you can often do with product placement um and as other vr content creators will also <laughs> understand is like vr is very expensive so yeah. What normally a record label pays is like $5,000 per music video. This has kind of become the standard. It's not that much that you can achieve in virtual reality with it, especially if you're doing live action. Um, I think that for new new VR content creator is like something that I also didn't realize. It's actually more expensive um, to shoot high quality 360 um, than actually kind of creating something in a game engine often. Not always, but often it can be because the stitching takes so much time and manpower and that's not something that you can really automate yet unless you go for the consumer cameras but mm-hmm. in this case it's a professional project so w- that option doesn't really exist um so yes yeah, so the hope is still that it's going to be um, a hybrid because yeah. the vision was always that it was um it's a take on on the star trek holodeck room mm-hmm. and we start in the game engine um as 
virtual avatars and then we go we are taken on a simulation to learn something about ourselves and the simulation is a 360 video and i really want i was very intentional about playing with for story's sake i was using those two elements of virtual reality as as story elements um because for me having agency uh, and this is just technically true at this point too is like having agency is tied to the virtual world but i think it's also again like an oxymoron which i find oxymorons very interesting mm -hmm. is that, that in a virtual world we have agency and we can we can interact with the world and all this stuff and then once we're taking on a simulation where we just have to sit and and take it in it's actually the real world which is like i mean a 360 um live action video yeah. mm -hmm. um and so i intentionally created the story to kind of show these two uh, to put these two elements next to each other um but we are we are now actually because it is going to be cheaper for us to do the whole thing in a game engine. I'm now yeah. looking at doing photogrammetry instead, ah, uh, and scanning yeah. the actors, which is not perfect yet. Mm -hmm. So it, it's going to be <laughs> not quite the same effect, but it, I think it can still work. So. Such bleeding edge technology, and I don't want to spend too much more of your time because I know we can go yeah. into a bit of a rat hole with technology. But what was it like as a director working with? game developers are working in a game engine. How was that transition for you? Sounds like it was pretty smooth, but had you worked in games before? So, um, so when I was working in theater and um, my my father was not wasn't super excited about me going into theater, and he just said, "You have to promise me you study something sensible mm -hmm. as well." And so I chose to study interactive media design. Perfect. Learned coding back then, and all of this stuff. Thought I'd never use it again, so that's actually kind of funny that now it kind of comes back. Although none of the code that I used to be able to <laughs> applies. I mean, this is like, oh my god, like. 12 years ago or 13 uh, years okay. ago so but I, I i can think in those terms and i Absolutely. think that helped me um it did, yeah. i am going to be very honest i'm not learning to code like I, mm -hmm. I i feel it's better served that i work with developers um as far as my skill set is but i understand i can talk to them in a way you know, how, that, that, at, at, the, at the largest time or how large is your team or how many people do you have programming or working on the the game engine side of it it really depends on, on what. Choice. Yeah, it really. I mean, like, uh, I mean, I'm an independent contractor, so I, like I work for myself, and it depends yeah. on the team that I work with. Um, and I work with different companies depending on the project that I work on, you know. And I bring in like uh, different producers and you know different companies. So, what a what a labor of love! I'm going to be so excited to see as this project progresses, and uh, I actually love the song too. And I just look forward to your next articles too, Sky. We're actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you loose. How can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? How can, what's the best way to reach you? Um, well, you can just find me either on Facebook, um, which you just have to look up Sky Vaughn, S-K-Y-E, and then my last name is V, like Victor O-N. We'll put all or, the links in the show notes, so that's yeah, cool. Yeah, you can like put the links there um, if you, you know, um, the same goes out. You can reach me from my website, like yeah. I have you can send me an email um you know always happy to chat love talking vr love talking vr um and also ar storytelling so if you have any questions <laughs> just reach out i'm there i'm very excited um we can hop on a skype call and you know <laughs> you're awesome that's amazing what's up what's coming up next for you what are you working on now 
Well, I'm still working on well, falling, still out on of falling out of love. Exactly. Falling out of love. Um, and then I am developing another narrative story piece, which is uh, going to, um, which is called Paper Doll Origami, and it's um, uh, it's actually some inspired by uh, Black Lives Matter. Actually, interesting enough, but it's about creating um, a story or a story experience where. Uh, each participant uh, gets to experience what it means to not to have someone else be in control of your destiny, um, and I feel there VR is. I mean, VR is giving allowing me to really get people to experience this because I will have them be um, first um, a, a origami. Um, artist yeah. who creates a dollhouse and who has an or, origami doll that lives in the, in the dollhouse. And um, so you are the origami doll maker, but then you also get to be the doll. Um, and so kind of playing with that, you know, very abstract of what the relationship between being in control and having all your voice taken away, you know, um, and I, it, it'd be long to explain the whole experience. No, you know, I am, well, I can assure you that your uh, the, the, the quality of your Twitter feed is going to pick up, and and you're going to get some new audience members. I, I find that people are really, really interested in people that are pushing the boundaries and and are able to articulate what they're doing uh, in a way that makes sense. Because right now there's there's just a lot of gobbledygook and sort of uh, promises. But what you have, uh, what you have. The stories you've told us in the articles that you've written and the work that you're doing in in what we would call traditional media, music video, into something non-traditional is just fascinating. I'm just so happy that you're on the show, Sky. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. <laughs> this is great. You take care. And to everyone listening, uh, thank you very much for checking out The Animator's Guide to Virtual Reality. Be sure to f- uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and uh, follow us on Twitter. It's at rd.xyz. And uh, thanks very much for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.